had 20 minutes with a counselor, what would you ask? I'm Anna Nash. And I'm Julie Sparkman, a counselor with Restore Ministries here in Birmingham, Alabama. You are listening to Head to Heart, a podcast to help you connect what you know with how you live. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This brings back memories. I was here about four years ago, which feels like about four years ago. Aren't you just happy to be at something like this again with like people sitting like right next to you and you're talking and you're wearing lipstick. Well, some of you are wearing lipstick. It's so, so good to be back again. Um, These are the types of things that you think we will never take this for granted again, will we? But um, as the memory of the last 15 months fades, we probably will. But there is one lesson that I think that COVID has taught us all that I don't think that we are ever going to forget. At least I hope we don't. It's a lesson that we are all going to learn sooner or later. But for most of us, that later tends to be a lot later than where you are in life. So for your sake, I hope you remember it to keep you from a significant hit of reality later in life. Because your generation, perhaps more than any other in history, have had your motivational fires constantly lit from your parents, your pastors, your teachers, and most definitely from your social media sources. And that motivation comes in the form often of some some rendition of these words. You can achieve anything as long as you are willing to work hard enough. It's the words of the American dream. 19th century philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson said, once you make a decision, the universe conspires to make it happen. So that master and creator of your own destiny thing, that is not new. But I believe it is stronger and louder in our culture today than ever before. And actually, it's aimed directly at you. Those of you who are out of the nest of your parents, newly into the job, trying to make it up that corporate ladder, you want some guarantees for all of your hard work. We all do. And that's the attractiveness of those words. You can make it happen. Such seemingly control, I mean, it just makes us feel empowered. And that really motivates us to go for the goals. But those, as high as those words send you, it is commiserate directly with the amount of crash that you will feel once you hit reality. If the worldwide pandemic has taught us anything, it's this. There are forces beyond us. And unlike what Emerson said, those forces, they do not always cooperate with our plans, no matter how well laid out they are. And it's at that point that we are faced with the reality that our good choices Our dedication to a path or a goal does not guarantee its attainment. What then? Well, as you well know, the impact of COVID on our mental, our emotional, our spiritual well-being across the nation, across the world, has been devastating and epidemic in and of itself. Because usually, when your personal world is turned upside down, you turn to someone else who is not in crisis, and you kind of lean on them. Only with this thing, everybody is in crisis. Like 
like that new phrase, you know, we're all in this thing together, which actually is not really a comforting thing to say. <laughs> what that means is ain't nobody to lean in on because we are all, we are all as unstable as the rest of us. So really creates a lot of anxiety. And here in Birmingham, the mental health community has been absolutely overwhelmed. Um, as a counselor, I have to say that I have felt lately like I think that the physicians must have felt at the beginning of COVID, the need is huge and there just are not enough of us to go around to handle the demand. Anxiety, suicide, substance abuse, domestic violence, they are rising to heights I've never seen before in my career. And we're told that that rise is the result of loss, loss of jobs, loved ones, health, schooling choices. That list is really endless. But I think that there is a deeper and more profound loss that underlies, it's through at all of those other more obvious losses. And that is the loss of the feeling that perhaps not ultimately, but at least pragmatically, we are in control. That there is a predictability to life that link, is linked somehow to our personal effort. That A plus B will ultimately always equal C and we can count on it. This. This is what COVID took from us. The American dream, it's an illusion. One that even as believers in Christ, we have unwittingly bought into. The loss of that illusion is perhaps, I think, one of the scariest experiences you will ever face. But it contains within it the entrance to true freedom. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. How can our scariest loss become our greatest gain? My main aim in our time together tonight is to help us all take a deeper look at what truly motivates us and the impact that that has on our personal well-being and on our relationships. We're going to take a deeper look at that through three questions. Number one, what are you going for in life? What is the picture that you have in your mind of the life that you desire? Number two, what is the difference between a goal and a desire, and then finally, what is the difference between a role and a responsibility? <clears throat> now, I don't promise that by the end of our time together, you will leave with a neatly defined set of answers to those questions because I am, remember, a counselor, and so basically, all, whatever counselors talk is just basically a 30-minute infomercial to get you into their office, but like I say, <laughs> I'm telling you that up front, I'm also telling you up front that there's no room in my office, so there really isn't what it is, but the truth is that what I want is for you to leave here tonight, maybe with a framework, to begin what I think is the ongoing and the essential work of thinking more about why you do what you do, perhaps even more important, to address the truth of how well that's working for you. True change, it doesn't ever begin with answers, but with better questions. So, let's begin with the first question. What is the picture in your mind and in your heart of how you desire your life to be. That picture is comprised of many things, and it changes throughout your seasons of life, but it usually involves such elements like, you know, I want to get married at this time, I want to have a house, I want to have a career, I want close friends, profitable work, meaningful work. Now, if you're married or you have a significant other, see, they're also in your picture. Your desires for that, that's also in your picture. Now, often when I ask people, about the pictures that they have in their heads. They kind of give me a rolling of the eyes. 
um, as if they're not so naive to believe that they should have any kind of a picture. And I think this is especially bad with believers, um, as if admitting that somehow uh, what we desire is not as spiritual is saying, I desire whatever Jesus gives. But the truth is, that picture is there. And it drives you more than you might realize. Because there are times that um, we might live without a conscious awareness of that picture until it's threatened or shattered. That's probably the number one reason why people come to counseling. Something in our picture is not going according to plan or it's been destroyed. But the problem, remember this, the problem is never the picture. It's never the desire. Because the desires in your picture, they're not wrong. As a matter of fact, they're probably largely created to how God, connected to how God created you, how he designed you. You were designed for life in Eden. Adam and Eve were created. They were created with a desire for work, which was impactful in relationships marked by in intimacy without fear of rejection. Eden was an environment in which everything on the outside of Adam and Eve cooperated with everything that they desired inside. And that is the definition of paradise. But we don't live in paradise anymore. Because the sin, we now live in a world in which things outside of us actually constantly block the desires within us. And yet, strange thing, even though we've never experienced it, even though we've never been to an Edenic paradise, somehow we still have a memory of it. We still long for it. Because God, he didn't change our design after the fall. We're still designed for Eden, a place where life works. And that's where the pictures come from. Now, think, though, of every single element in your picture the career, the relationships, the upward mobility that we come to define as success, how much of it, of it is actually within your personal realm of control? If you're willing to work tenaciously, can you make even one element of your picture into reality? No, because every element in your picture contains something outside of your control, people or circumstances that have to cooperate in order for it to become a reality, no matter how hard you try. And that is the reality of what COVID brought us to. Seemingly overnight, the entire world was tossed out of our collective picture of what we considered to be within our grasp just days earlier. We were separated from others, fear for our health and those we love. Some of us were furloughed, some of us lost our careers altogether. Nothing was a sure thing anymore, even toilet paper. <laughs> it's times like that when we come to grips with how much the picture we had in our heads was a motivator, much more than we realized. It's far too easy, without our ever being aware of it, that our good desires turn into demands. And we focus our energies on those pictures, and they grow in importance until what we want turns into what we need. And it becomes the standard by which we measure our lives. For example, when someone says to you, how are you doing? Don't you generally answer something like, I'm great, I'm great. They accepted the offer on the house, which is completely untrue nowadays. <laughs> or I'm lousy. This job is nothing of what I thought it would be. Or I'm pretty nervous. I 
thought things were going great with him, but uh, now he uh, he's not answering my texts. See, all too often, our day, it's only as good as the degree to which it matches our picture. We've attached our emotional, spiritual, and sometimes even our physical well-being to something that we can't control. And again, we didn't even realize it until it was threatened. The result? Significant anxiety, which is often really well disguised behind a mask of high personal performance. Or, for those elements of your picture that involve cooperation of others, we become controlling drivers. And that also is disguised behind phrases like, I only want the best for you. <laughs> Incessantly driving ourselves, corralling others, is the result of making our good desires, our pictures, into goals. And good desires, no matter how worthy they are, make bad goals. So let me explain by defining both terms. A goal, something wanted that can be achieved if I'm willing to work hard enough. Contrast that to a desire, something that cannot be achieved without the cooperation of someone or circumstances outside of me. Now, go back again to the elements in your picture. Getting the dream job or securing the internship that will lead to the dream job. Goal or desire? Is it all in your control? Or do you need the cooperation of circumstances, you know, like not having the company shut down by a worldwide pandemic? How about a great marriage? On your best day, you get 50% control over that one, which makes it a desire. But when that great relationship becomes your goal, you will likely subtly or very overtly begin to control that other person because you need their cooperation to get what it is that you want. And that sets us up for a lot of frustration. So, speaking of control, that leads to frustration, let me share an aspect of my picture um, of a good desire that morphed into a really bad goal. So, my picture in this season of my life where my husband and I were empty nesters, and, um, and so I had this part of my picture was that we were gonna become what's called healthy eaters. <laughs> and uh, I didn't bother see, to consult my husband on this because I knew this was such a great idea. You, of course, he would be on board with this. I knew that. So um, I envisioned that. I envisioned our cholesterol dropping, our weight dropping, and our cool factor. It would go up, up, up because we'd be sitting around, you know, drinking, um, drinking Perrier with little slivers of lime and watching gourmet cooking shows on television. You see, see how that works? How one desire turns into a multifaceted picture. You even envision it, just as I was saying. But, see, just the other night, I was preparing yet another meal from my Pinterest board, which was, uh, you know, 185 ways to grill chicken. And he announced that he was headed to Burger King. Now, as you know, Burger King is, um, has a very limited healthy menu. Um, and I had already been helping him to make healthy choices by stocking the fridge with items that I was confident that he would eventually come to enjoy and appreciate, but he completely ignored them. So my subtle assistance to help him be his best self, he was not working, which is so sad because you saw me say, I only wanted the best for him. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that night, um, I resorted to full-on guilt. Nothing else was working, so I wind up. Are you not interested in trying to eat better? 
So my husband, a man of few words, looked at me and said simply, no. <laughs> so right then and there, I fell into despair and I acted right out of it because I realized at that point that I had made a good desire into a bad goal. And that's really been my experience both professionally and definitely personally, that we are often unaware of the degree to which we have hitched our well-being to our pictures until they come crashing down. And we go well beyond valid disappointment, understandable grief, and into the land of deep despair. Despair comes when we have bought that lie, that if you work hard enough, you can achieve your picture. And we have given ourselves to that achievement when we defined that it was a guarantee that couldn't come true. And at that point, we have two ways to process that despair. Number one, inner shame. There's something wrong with me. I should have been able to do it, and I didn't do it. I'm defective. Or, number two, outer blame. Someone else, something else, circumstances, or God himself did not come through as they should have. Usually it's really a toxic combination of both of them. So let me ask you, does inner shame, outer blame, does that resonate with you? Which place do you tend to move when things don't work out as you hoped? That's an outer symptom of an inner hope. You may be more hitched to that picture and your personal ability to achieve it perfect perseverance than you realized. Because what began as that can-do culture's attempt to motivate and encourage has turned into an incredibly heavy weight. And we have come to carry heaviness and pressure as if it was a normal part of life, even to believe that they are necessary for it to achieve anything. But how's that working for you? How's that working for your relationship with others? How's that working for your relationship with God? Basic rule of good management is that you never give an employee authority, responsibility, without commiserate authority. Because to do so is a morale and ultimately a performance destroyer. And we break that rule every time we take responsibility for something that we can't control. We confuse our responsibility with our role. Which brings us to our second question, what's the difference between a role and a responsibility? Because listen, learning this difference keep you out of my office. <laughs> the real sanity saver because listen, despite my best efforts, I can't guarantee a great relationship. However, I do have a role in a great relationship by focusing my attention not on the relationship itself, but on how and who I am as I relate to the other person. Or I can't guarantee that my career will end up being all I hope, but I have a role in that career advancement by keeping my focus on the job that I'm in, doing my best, despite my position and preparing for the future that I may or may not enjoy. We are not designed to bear the weight of things outside of our control. Hi, my name is Mandy Miller and I'm the Products and Resource Coordinator at Restore Ministries. For more information, to order products, or to connect with us, please visit our website at restore-ministries.org. 
Also, we are a nonprofit ministry and we rely on donations from people like you to fulfill our mission. If this podcast or any part of our ministry has been an encouragement to you, please consider donating by going to our website. Thank you for listening to Head to Heart.